When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Nut Money Coalition's Farm Talk podcast. They have been serving the Hopi community since 2004 by working to reaffirm and preserve traditional Hopi farming. Go to nutmoneycoalition.org to learn more. That's N-A-T-W-A-N-I coalition.org. Terraform Development is a Navajo and Hopi-owned engineering, architectural, and project management firm located in northern Arizona. The company has full-time staff and comprises of Navajo and Hopi employees. Terraform services include civil engineering, residential design, drone mapping, and project management on projects for your need. Terraform is a Priority One Navajo Certified Business and Hopi Business License Certified. Contact Terraform Development at T-E-R-R-A the number 4ORM.com and follow them on Instagram at Terraform Development. Can I do the intro? All right. I like to do the intro. All right. <laughs> Start. You are now. now. Start. You now. are. You are now. <laughs> you are now listening to the Carl and J Man. How do you do that? I don't have no no clue how do you do the intro. I mean, my intro is a lot better because I say, good morning, Hopi land, and happy Wednesday to you all. Let me give you a tip. It is, uh, you are now listening to the Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast. I'm your host, the five-star, five-diamond chef, J-Man, and with me is the is coolest guy Mr. in this podcast room. I was going to say, Mr. No Introduction, <laughs> Carl, but good good, good try on trying to do our introduction. You know, I, I think that you, you you did okay. We'll give you a C- minus for that. You know what? I, I am probably the best at doing this podcast here, and so... I'm kind of a little aggravated at you right now for telling me like that. <laughs> You're always aggravated <laughs> with me. I, I don't understand. Like, you know, you were here playing all by yourself, nobody else to play with. And then I came into the picture, started to play podcast with you. And then all of a sudden we're local res famous. And then you're always mad at me for some reason. I, I, I don't understand. Cause soul says that you're, you're not good to play with. That's why don't play with him. He's always you, mean. To he's you. always mean to you. <laughs> but we are back yeah we are back yeah. for uh episode four yeah episode four the season's moving by pretty quickly we're Man. already almost to the midway point and so we thank you all for listening to us again this week and then you know thank you all for listening to last week's episode and hearing you know our conversations about the topics that we were talking about about what happens when we come home Thank you for not turning on us for the epic rant that I went on. And, you know, I, I, I do apologize because then, you know, I think that it's difficult to convey your thoughts when you have certain types of thoughts that are heavy and warm inside your heart. And you kind of just want to throw it out there into the universe and just start blasting people for, yeah. you know, how some the way that they act within our communities or other different types of aspects. And so, you know, I'll try to do better today. Yeah, you you know, you kind of did sound like buttholicious, you know, and uh, <laughs> I'm trying to stay away from the A word, so B word is probably the best. 
<laughs> no, and you know, I, I, I mean, I, I think that that's warranted because then you know, with the podcast yeah. that you know, for for what it is that you all out there like to listen to, that you know, oftentimes it's not fun to hear people bitch and no, cry no, and rant not. about things. You know, I think that people listen to us for other reasons. Oh yeah, that, you know that oh, we're yeah. comedic geniuses, and, and J Man is uh, mm-hmm. has some really intriguing thoughts to to change the world. They li- they listen. Carl <laughs> is so geeky. They, his they, nerd stories make <laughs> us all feel better about ourselves. They listen to one of they listen to the sexy voice of Carl. So, <laughs> but then you know today's topic is going to be kind of another dif- difficult one to convey without sounding too preachy, without sounding um, condescending in any degree. Because today we're going to be talking about assimilation. Oh yeah, we're going to be yeah. talking about Hopis and our assimilation what cultures were assimilated to. And, you know, I think that as we go on and talk about the different ways that were assimilated, you know, and I I don't want to have an episode that primarily focuses on the negative to which, you know, I try to do my best to swim around and try to find the positive things and some of the topics that we discuss. And, you know, I, I, I think that way we can all feel better about, um, our, assimil- our, our assimilatedness, if that's a word. You know, <laughs> our assimilatedness. Um, you know, assimilation is is like a it's it's I think it's like a harsher word if you put it that way, um, where it's like um like making your culture not your own, but delving into another person's culture. I think that's what assimilation really means. So you're pretty close there, Carl. You're pretty close to hitting the target to the bullseye or hitting the arrow to the bullseye, <laughs> arrow to the target. And you know, I, I, I think that's a good way to start the episode yeah. Yeah. is to talk about assimilation or what that term means. Because then, you know, I think that assimilation is kind of been talked about mostly from a negative context, especially yeah. when it involves American Indians, indigenous communities, etc. Because basically, you know, when you have this idea of the colonizer and the colonized. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, our colonizers that we've depicted pretty well on this podcast at first were the Spanish settlers, the the conquistadors or the uh, Cas- Castillas. Castillos. Castillas. Castillas. As, as, as we proclaimed in our Thanksgiving ep- episode yeah. from last year. But then, you know, on I guess in the contemporary times that the biggest colonizer is the American government. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or, or the white American culture, I think, is something that we kind of see as this big colonizer to us, to us little brown people, to us little American Indian communities. And then so from that, from that narration, that creates this whole huge negative connotation on the word assimilate you know um you know history kind of tells us that you know a government the u.s government has always been there has always been inside of our lives for i guess time and memorial (laughs) (laughs) but but to look at it in a way where where our lives are not really our own because of the way that government has treated our ancestors in the past is is part of like how you could how you would say assimilated into uh, white man's culture. And we've always been like that. Like you, what, what you said before, like the conquistadors, you know, we learn how to make tacos first and then we <laughs> afterwards then we learn how to like mayonnaise as the white man do. You, you, you know, the funny thing is that in, in speaking about the, the conquistadors and the Spanish, yeah, I have absolutely no idea how to say most of the nasty words in Spanish. <laughs> oh, really? Which I guess disproves our, uh, <laughs> our saying uh, that when you're learning a new language that you use, learn the nasty words first. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but no, I, I think that, you know, you're, what you're saying is a good way to start the topic on the word assimilation oh, yeah. and the reason why it's always been used as a negative um, connotation in how we talk about it because then it's this idea of forced assimilation is, is what you're talking about yeah. of being forced to abandon our traditional, our heritage languages, being forced to speak the English language or the Spanish language, being forced to forget our heritage religions and spirituality cultures and to adapt adopt those of the colonizers yeah which is whether that be christianity 
or uh, Catholicism or the various other religions that are out there and then to develop, I guess, a new way of living because then when you go out to other parts of Indian country that they have this history of their people being forced to transition from being hunters to farmers. Oh, yeah. But then Hopis, we've always been farmers. And so that was kind of a practice that we already had going within our lives, but then being forced to adopt other things, being forced to send our children to federal boarding schools as opposed to staying home in the villages and getting a a heritage Hopi education, so to speak, because then when you truly learn about Hopis and our daily lives in the Hisat time, that it was heavily built around our spirituality, heavily built around our religions, and also heavily built around service to one's village. Because then, you know, that was uh, a means of survival, was to ensuring that the population of a community was all working towards the development of the village and depending upon what a person's clan that they belong to what their responsibilities were towards the village well you know i i i do agree with that i do agree with the whole idea of assimilation and but you know how how us different cultures do integrate with each other is not part of assimilation it's part of like that integration of different cultures just like with the pueblo indians the pueblos as well too practice basically our what we practice here on Hope on the Hopi Reservation. Similar to what we similar to here. what we practice here. It's not an assimilation part, but it's more of like the integration of two cultures mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of the same I guess the same religion, culture? How would you I think we can delve into that idea a little bit more as we move forward through our talking points of the episode. But I guess uh, speaking specifically to forced assimilation, primarily to the European colonizers, are there any pros to assimilation? Oh. I, I feel like that you're going to give give me a whole long <laughs> whole, list. Of whole pros. list of it. Uh, well, first of all, thank you uh, for giving me this podcast here. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, thank you for fried chicken. Thank you for piccadillies. You know, yeah, the list goes on and on. I'm so surprised that your first answer wasn't McDonald's. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. That's that's priority. So, and then also too a tidbit for the listeners that you and I for the topic of assimilation had planned to wear suits. We did. To the studio and to wear our suits. But uh, Carl decided to put on some pounds, decided to stretch out that waistband, Um, and now he can't uh, fit his suit anymore. I was a medium and I turned into an extra large. Overnight? Overnight. I was like the... How did that happen? I was like the McDonald's meal, supersize me. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I, I guess, you know, like like a lot of the pros now, because then, I mean, you, you think about like things like uh, healthcare systems right yeah. now, right? Yeah. Because then, you know, now that the science and technology is there to prevent certain diseases or to cure certain diseases, to help people to get better from certain viruses, as to where back in the Hisset time that the technology and science, I guess, from the context of Western medicine was practically non-existent. And so that a lot of folks fell ill and died from a lot of these things. Well, it's because a lot of the, before the, um, the influence of uh, Western society, we never had those types of uh, sicknesses like that. So we never had the, you know, the means to seek out alternative health, quote unquote, alternative health for, mm-hmm. uh, to, to cure or whatever this illness is. And, mm-hmm. and for a very, very long time that has never existed before. So when the, when Western culture was influenced here in native land, that's when, you know, they, we depended on, on Western medicine to get us well and to get us through. So I don't think that would be, I don't know if that would be assimilated or not. So, so your, your premise then is to, uh, your, your premise would be we're combating colonized viruses and diseases with, with Western medicine, with medicine from the colonizer. Perfect. That's perfect. Uh, yeah, perfectly <laughs> true. But you know, that is true because then like, you know, you think about things outside of just sickness, but like obesity, right? Yeah. That the old people you hear them say all the time that Hopis back in the day were never big. Oh no. That we were all skinny. Yeah. And then you think about things like diabetes 
health, I mean, uh, heart disease. Yeah. And then you even think about some of the vices that we have, alcoholism, drug addiction, that all of those were non-existent until the colonials came and then introduced it to us. So now in turn, that those are some of the diseases that we suffer from the most. You know, thinking back before, like all of the, 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 you know, the, the, what is it? The alcohol. Mm-hmm. I wonder what, you know, his set hope he's used to do on their free time. How, how they used to get, how they used to get, free time. <laughs> I used to deal with the kids at home and <laughs> they're like, they're probably praying. It's like, Oh God, I wish there was like a white man with some beer around here or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, when does this assimilation start? <laughs> You know, I that's what I think. So, <laughs> you know, you have uh, you have your father sitting at home. I can't, I can't breathe. <laughs> but the, I guess, I guess, really, you know, that that's kind of um, the the platform for the discussion of this idea of forced assimilation. But really, what I wanted to talk about in this episode was not so much about the forced assimilation, so to speak, but kind of. Uh, other types of assimilation yeah. that Hopis have succumbed themselves to. And you see it, you know, kind of pretty, pretty often throughout social media. You know, social media is this wonderful window that you can look through and you get to see people, all of their thoughts. Yeah. The way that they think. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I, I log off of social media feeling sick to my stomach that these are. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, through through social media, you do see how people interact with society. You yeah. do see how people share their perspectives on life, how they share their perspectives on Hopi, how they share how they carry themselves as a Hopi in 2021 because then you know there's a lot of documentation on social media whether that's through written posts or pictures that identify certain activities that individuals are doing and that we've made that declaration before that to a degree that social media is the new Hopi moon that it tells you what year what time of the year it is what types of practices that Hopi is involved with at certain times of the year, because right now you see a lot of people and they're uh, harvesting pictures, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, harvesting going on out there in Hopi land. And then you also see a lot of pictures of people that are uh, oh, yeah. making, uh, making, making sweet corn, making tupepla. and then so it's through all of this interaction that you see how people think, how people perceive Hopi and their places within Hopi. And so the idea that I wanted to kind of bring up was this idea of uh, Hopis assimilating Hopis. <laughs> okay. And, and, how, and, oh, how does that work? <laughs> how does that work? And you know, that that's kind of a, an interesting concept that I wanted to discuss because, and I think really probably only Hopis for the most part would kind of understand this concept, but I guess to try to do my best to explain it to our non-Hopi listeners okay. of this idea of Hopis assimilating each other. And so basically, you know, when you think about how you go about your life, how you perceive the world, whether that's personally or religiously or based upon how your family raises you to think yeah. and to, you know, approach yeah. certain things or even, you know, how you speak, yeah. the type of language that you use, the type of terminologies that you use to identify certain things. And so like when you take it to like, I guess kind of like a United States uh, context that like, like what you're drinking right now, you have a bottle of Dr. Pepper sitting in front of you Yeah, yeah. that we all don't call that type of drink the same thing. No. Some of us call it soda uh-huh. and some of us call it pop. Okay. And so, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of, I guess, a regionally based difference in how we talk about certain things. And so in some places in a community, you're raised to call soda pop. Okay. And then you have other terms for other things. Some people call short pants trunks. Yeah. Some people call, um... I don't know, trying to think about some other terms, but that's kind of the example. And that that's very true here on Hopi. And then I guess other examples too is that in communities that neighbor each other, that sometimes the dominant religion is Christianity. 
and then you go to the community over, then the dominant religion might be a different form of Christianity. You go to the community over then, then maybe they're LDS, and then you go to the other community next door, maybe they're Presbyterian. And so basically, you know, communities differ from one another, not only just with language, but with religion, with how we perceive the world, how we label certain things, and Hopi is no different. And that we've explained it before, that you have a first Mesa, you have a second Mesa, and you have a third Mesa. So wouldn't wouldn't it not be like assimilation but would be like the influencing different cultures i guess you could say i i think that assimilation and influencing are are pretty hand in hand or that they at least for the most part are pretty much borderline to one another yeah yeah because then in you know i i guess in terms of hopis assimilating hopis and and what my um argument is with this is that first mesa has developed a particular religious practice and they go about it a certain way. And then we've also documented and how they speak differs from the other two mesas. And that's the same true for second mesa. And it's true also for third mesa. Yeah. And I think that when you go all the way down to, I don't want to say the grassroots. I hate, I hate that term <laughs> grassroots. Grassroots. You know why I hate that term? Why? Grassroots? Why? Look outside. Where's the grass at? Well, it's green now, so <laughs> <But that's, laughs> when it rained, that's not grass, it's <laughs> weeds. But then when you get down when you get down to the corn roots, I guess, of, of Hopi society, that Third Mesa very much has a different way of how they pr- approach their religious practices, cultural practices, and then even terminologies about how they go and do things. And I guess really, if you're an individual that participates in the ceremonies, if you're an individual that understands the culture and the knowledge that you know that third Mesa differs from second Mesa, that second Mesa differs from first Mesa. And then you really hear it too, when you start to talk to individuals and you learn that there are different practices about how we perform and practice our ceremony and how it differs based upon what your Mesa you're from. But then I guess as talking to the elders and hearing a little bit more about the yesteryear, about the Hisat time, that they do convey that things are changing. That as you said, influence, our villages are beginning to be influenced by each other. And that we're beginning to adopt second Mesa practices in the third Mesa villages. That we're beginning to incorporate some of the first Mesa practices into the third Mesa villages. And then even into the tribe that you mentioned, the Pueblo people, that we're even beginning to in, in intertwine their practices within our ceremonies in the third Mesa villages. And that's true for the second Mesa villages. And then it's also true I believe it's true for the first Mesa villages. You know, I I disagree with what you're saying and that because one thing that I don't I don't like is the word Kiavakvi. You know, the Kiavakvi in a way. Mm-hmm. A lot of third Mesa people like to call um, you know, this place here Kiavakvi mm-hmm. because Kiavakvi means like person from a faraway place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But in actuality, we all stem from a single source learning a single way of Hopi life but then to separate us into groups of three or like the the three groups that were that you said before it just doesn't make sense because we you might as well just call us like Hopi subculture one or Hopi subculture two or Hopi subculture three because all in all, I mean, that we have that same focus and that same goal of doing our religion in that same context, but we do it in a little bit different way. All in all, it all stems from one source. And to say that, you know, they're, you know, first Mesa is being influenced by second Mesa and so on and so forth. It's not being influenced. It's just being influenced by the same religion or by the same culture of Hopi. So I, I'd have to disagree with, with that. I, I, I think that's a pretty good argument. And, you know, I commend you. That's probably one of your more articulated and, and well thought out arguments. And so, you know, I, give, give yourself an applause. You know Carl. what? Yeah, I know. That's, that's pretty much what I have to do. So. 
but I mean, you know, and I, I, I don't doubt that you're not the only one that thinks like that. Oh yeah. That there probably are other individuals that, that have that same idea that, you know, and, and that's kind of one of the parts that I did want to talk about was that, you know, does it matter? Does it matter that we are influencing each other? Yeah. That we're assimilating each other. Is there, is there a reason as to why it's wrong? Or does it not matter? I, you know, I, for me, I don't think it would matter because I think it would be not influencing each other. I think it would be like encouraging each other, encouraging each other to keep up the practice or maybe practice it in that, that different way. Because all in all, our goal is, is to have, you know, life reborn life. Basically, that's all what Hopi religion is all about is to have the renewal of life. And that's basically it. Mm-hmm. And to have that, and it's like, it's like this, it's like, um, it's like that six lane highway in Phoenix, right? You know, we have fast cars, you have the HOV lane, mm-hmm. you have cars that are going all, you know, fast and slow, but all in all, we end up at that same destination. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's, there's nowhere where it's like, it's saying that, oh, you have to, you have to divulge from this, this high, this, this road here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's like, uh, you know, that's that's how I kind of see it. Mm-hmm. And this is something that's kind of difficult to convey without actually going further and to actually talk about what some of these yeah. differences are, because a lot of these differences that we do have within our ceremonies from Mesa to Mesa are, are what we consider sacred. And I don't think that I would be comfortable to talk about it in detail and yeah. I rather I don't think that you'd be comfortable in talking about it in detail either so it is a very difficult thing to talk about and you know but I, I did feel that it was important to talk about and so I apologize for those that might be a little bit confused at the moment <laughs> with our with us Hopis and our, our wackiness and, and how we perceive so, the world so like to, to kind of give context to the non-Hopi listeners uh, on Hopi we have three mesas you know first second and third I, mesas I already said that I know, but I'm can elaborating. You, can you shortcut to what your point is, and I'm elaborating it right now. <laughs> I'm I'm extending the menu. Of course, this is like the hidden menu of McDonald's. Oh my god! <laughs> and and in those different three mesas, we have um, we have these villages here, twelve villages in all three mesas, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and in those villages, we practice uh, the religion of Hopi, mm-hmm. And in there, we practice it in a different way okay. on, on each yeah. each mesa there. So just to give background, I, just I have to, to give apologize content. to you on that. You actually did a really good job. You're on fire today. You know what? I, you're, you're I, on fire today. I know exactly because you're irritating me right now. <laughs> <laughs> Normally... I take alarm to that, but as I said at the beginning of the episode, I'm always irritating you. And like I said, I don't know why. I, I brought you to the promised land, and you're always upset with me for some reason. So, but I guess you know to, to kind of to kind of um, counter your your argument because then you know I I, I was thinking about this all day, so okay. I don't want to waste my my thoughts all that right, I have all day to not say it on the podcast. But some of the way that we go about our religion and how it differs at times can be contradictory to one another. Oh, yeah. And off air, you and I have gone to arguments about this before, that certain ways that Second Mesa does things versus a certain way that the Third Mesa villages do things, that there are contradictions. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, that was going to be my argument in the ideas of, does it matter that we have these differences and does it matter that we take these differences into our different villages? To practice them because it was always my idea that how however the second mesa villages do things they know why they do it that way yeah they know the reason why it'll produce good things for their people and so although the way that second mesa villages and how the way that they do things might be contradictory to the third mesa villages and quick disclaimer sorry first mesas we don't mean to uh sound like we're cutting you guys out but um I think we're more familiar with second and third Mesa as podcast hosts. But then, you know, like, like, and and see, that was the thing. That's kind of always been my argument as a third Mesa village as to always maintain how to do things the third Mesa way. Yeah. It's because we know how to do things the third Mesa way and we know why it's good to do it this way. So why not just 
stick to it and keep doing it that way. Well, you know, the, the whole idea is like, like what I said before, all of us have that same notion of, um, of practicing the religion in that same context. But, you know, like how we were, what, what I was saying is like, you know, uh, it, it is like the fact, this is like the six lane highway. Yeah. We all do things. We all have that speeds that are different. And when you look at it, it's that we all follow to the same goal. We all follow to the same destination. Mm-hmm. And and to like encourage somebody from, I don't know, like from Third Mesa saying that, oh, you know, Second Mesa, they do things weird or they mm-hmm. do things differently. Mm-hmm. It's just saying that, oh, our Hopi religion is a subculture of a Hopi religion. So we're like, <laughs> so we have a subculture within subcultures. Or you could just say that, you know, the other Hopis aren't really Hopi. And if you really want to do things the Hopi way, then that's do the, it the Hopi the, way. <laughs> then it's the third Mesa way. <laughs> See, and that that's that's where I kind of get like sort of irritated when we separate ourselves. We're we're one people. We call ourselves Hopi. We're one people, but we're so separate in our ways. And that's kind of irritating when we when you look at that. You know what that's called? One. It's called an oxymoron. It's called it's called a moronic way of life. Well, before we move on, I, I did want to share two examples that, that we can share of, of how the mesas are different and, and how they approach yeah. things. It's like a Hopi wedding, for example. Yeah. Like the way that uh, a Hopi wedding is conducted in the second mesa villages is different a little bit from how a Hopi wedding is conducted in the third mesa villages. And I was actually able to see mirror differences during my wedding, uh-huh. because when I got married to the Res famous wife in the Hopi way, that there was actually a second wedding that was going on at the exact same time in the upper village. And so, yeah, the lower village and upper village of Munkapi, that there was one Hopi wedding going down on at Atkive, which was my wedding and the Res famous wife's wedding. And then another wedding at the upper village by two by by a couple okay and so the upper village wedding well i I guess that wedding was was the infamous uh arizona republic wedding my (laughs) my my water clan relatives from hotvela but when they had their wedding that was going on at the upper village that they kind of followed the process more so of the second mesa way yeah the second mesa style and then our wedding was a little bit formatted more so to the third mesa style and so when on the day, the day before that a Hopi wedding starts, that the Hopi bride is brought to the groom's house by their mother. Yeah. And so in the third Mesa way, my wife was brought to our home with her clan mother and her kids. And so if there's kids involved, the kids are there with them. And it was just them that came. And that's the, the third Mesa way. But at the upper village wedding... That when the bride was brought to the groom's house, that they had a whole entourage with them. That it was more than just the bride's mother, that there were also additional relatives, which is what I guess marries or mirrors the, the second Mesa style in, in the Hopi wedding. And so those are kind of some examples of differences. And then the other example, and this actually might not really be a Mesa to Mesa difference, but really more of a younger generation Versus an older generation of Hopi, and that's singing. Because okay. then when you go from Mesas in the third villages, and then Mesas, I mean, I'm sorry, villages in the third Mesa, villages from the second Mesa and first Mesa, that the singing changes. Yeah. That we all don't sing the same anymore. No, no. In, in, in this day and age. And so, you know, I was able to really get a glimpse of this during the whole COVID-19 pandemic when people were locked down and people were getting bored and, you know, trying to figure out ways to keep themselves entertained. So you had a lot of individuals, mostly young boys, that were recording themselves singing Hopi songs yeah. to, to bring joy to, to people out there in Facebook land, yeah, and Instagram yeah, yeah. land to kind of share. And so when I would listen to some of them sing that the way that they sung was much different from how I was taught to sing. And so an example of that, when you would go onto Facebook and you heard some of these singing, they'd be like, Yeah. But as compared to how us lower month up sing, it's more, you'd be more of a, Oh, and I, yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah. And okay. so, you know, and so, so you see those differences. And so, you know, like, like, like to you, and I guess, you know, I'm really glad that you brought up the point that you did because to some of us out there, it doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. Because like yeah. you're saying, it's all from the one source. But some of us, it does matter because I think it's this idea of, and, you know, and, and maybe at the end, you know, it's kind of an, a silly idea, but it's definitely an, an idea that exists out there. It's that this idea of, well, from whatever the source is of our culture and our religion, we're the ones that stuck true to the T of whatever that source is. And so we show that by how we do things today and that we would prefer if you would not influence the way that we do things. I kind of have to disagree <laughs> with that because like I said before, you know, we do have that one central location of culture and mm -hmm. how, mm -hmm. how you sing and how you, uh, you know, conduct in that, in that manner. And and when you when you listen to like the the different dialects and the different songs of the, the different villages, I guess mm -hmm. you could say, it's more of not less uh, influencing each other. It's more or less like a guidance of of how religion or how the Hopi religion should be practiced in a way. So when you look at the different ways, I think that you know people that say that they're sticking to the true way of of Hopi and how how it how it's supposed to be done is just saying that oh I'm a Guivi guy and thinking <laughs> that oh this is how it really should be done. So so that's what I think. So uh, I, I I love it when I can touch your nerve because then that's when I, I turn. We see a different side of Carl, and I I, I really appreciate that and. Really appreciate what you've had to share. But moving on from Hopis, assimilating Hopis, um, there's also another form of assimilation that you do see that's heavily present within our peoples. And that's the influence or I guess the assimilation to the concepts and ideas of Christianity. Yeah. And, and so out of the obvious, which is, you know, are people actually converting to Christianity because it is out there. It is out there that you do have Hopis that are also, I guess, in, in the Hopi Levi, do you call them Jesus Hoyam? Because, you know, they put their faith uh, in, in the Holy Father. And, you know, I'm not too sure what the difference is between the rain that Jesus brings versus the <laughs> rain that uh, our Hopi gods bring. <laughs> well, Jesus, Jesus brings the party and he's... Uh, <laughs> He's like John Cena. Je Jesus' Jesus's reign is green, I guess. <laughs> no, but, you know, like, like because, because we, are in, we are influenced by the Christian religion and we don't know it. Because then, like, you know, I, I do see how some people approach their lives and that the way that they practice certain things is very much reflective of a Christian mindset. Okay. In, in how they do things. And I guess some of the examples out there are um, death, for example, right? Yeah. Because in our heritage teachings as Hopi, that we're taught that when you bury somebody, that at some point, the essence of that person leaves that place. Okay. And they're no longer in the graveyard. Okay. And so... That's another one of our Hopi taboos is reflecting back to taboos is that, you know, visiting graveyards. Oh, yeah. Outside of putting somebody away or sending somebody home that you're not supposed to visit graveyards. Yeah. Because there's nothing in there except death. Yeah. And so, and I, I guess, you know, and, and that's really understanding the Hopi mentality behind death, understanding the differences in how we perceive death versus what we perceive life. And I guess really the example that I'm trying to talk about is that now you do have Hopis who visit grave sites of loved ones in really? the manner that Christi Christians do. Really? They, they, they visit their, and like I said, I, I know this because I see it on social media. Really? And, and so nowadays you do have Hopis who visit grave sites and then you'll see people post about it. They'll say that, oh, I visited so-and-so today, but that person is gone. Uh-huh. And, and so really, from a Hopi context, I guess, you know, what we're taught is that when you pray to dead people, that you're songyaunin praying to zombies, <laughs> kind of in a way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because 
We don't want the death to come back. No, no. Because when you pray to dead people, that it's this idea that you're praying for death to come. And you don't want death to come because we want to stay alive. We want to stay healthy, that we want to always look to the bright side of life. We want to look to life, that life should encourage life. But this idea of visiting grave sites and talking to people that have passed from a Hopi mentality, it's like that, like you're communicating to the dead. Yeah. Yeah. Or or that you're wishing for you're wishing for them to still be alive. So in in an essence, it's almost like you're wishing to be with them, but because they're dead, you're wishing death upon yourself. So you could be with them. And and so and so, you know, that's kind of one example of the changes in our communities influenced by Christianity or influenced by Western practices. And then the other influence, too, that you see heavily that's influenced by Christianity outside from actually being converted to Christianity is the way that we pray. Because then as young Hopi people, we're taught to pray in a certain way. Okay. That, you know, whether it's you're praying to the creator, which in our minds is, is Dawa. Yeah. Or whether you're praying to your Wutya, which is something that you mentioned before, kind of the the mascot of your yeah. clan, of your clan, I guess, yeah. would be another thing. Or even when you're praying to like the Katinam or, you know, all the various deities that you pray in a certain way, that you pray for, for blessings in, in a certain way. But then I've seen a lot of our people now praying on Facebook, which I think is an oxymoron in itself. <laughs> Is praying on Facebook because I, I I don't think that's the proper place that you make your <laughs> prayers. We're assimilated. We have to pray on there. So, you know what? I pray to my <laughs> Williams. Uh, you know, make sure the Cardinals win this game here. <laughs> Here's a little bit of food. <laughs> but then you see the way that they pray because then a, a reflection on how Christians pray, right? Yeah. Jesus Christ, please bless us. Oh holy God. I, oh holy God, etc. Yeah. But then you see that now on Facebook from Hopis. Okay. Dear Creator, please bless us, etc., etc. It's almost mirroring the Christian the prayer, Christian. except that you <laughs> cut, copy, and paste Jesus Christ to Creator. Yeah. Or, or to Tawa in, in how people see it. And so, you know, that's kind of another way that we're assimilating to Christianity without actually converting to Christianity. Before we go on, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. Nurturing Indigenous Intelligence is a grassroots organization based on the Hopi Reservation. They work to alleviate the hardships in the community through acts of giving, from distributing school supplies, volunteering at various places, and working to expand their services. Follow them on Instagram at NurturingI Squared and on Facebook at NI Squared Team to find out more. Kuanbio Malaw PLLC is 100% native owned and operated, founded by Varun Kuanbioma. Their practice areas include corporate law, business transactions, finance, economic development, gaming, casino development, online gaming, real estate, environmental permitting and approvals, telecommunications, government affairs, employment and labor relations, historic preservation and cultural resources, and energy. Kuanbio Malaw is committed to making positive and lasting change in our communities as they support nonprofit volunteering community activism and employing Indian preference in hiring and vendor relations. And then the, the last example as we're coming back from break that I wanted to bring up in terms of how we're influenced by Christianity. And this is really, it's not really a Hopi thing, but I'm starting to see that it's becoming a Hopi thing. And really where you see this and really where I've seen it is at like the university level. Yeah. Or yeah. within like indigenous organizations on a national level, indigenous companies at a national level. It's this idea of a blessing before a big event happens. Because then out at ASU, when I was involved with different various student organizations, yeah. working to help build programs and events and etc., that there was this concept of a blessing. Okay. That they would choose an indigenous person and they would say, you know, can you can you bless this event? And so they would bring somebody on and then they would say, you know, kind of the, the things that you're supposed to say. Dear creator, 
Please look out for us and all our relatives, all our loved ones, and please let this event go flawlessly. Yeah. Casino yeah. night at Casino Arizona <laughs> or, you know, casino night at Talking Stick or, you know, something <laughs> to that nature. And, you know, because out here on Hopi and the way that we do things, I guess, in the six lane highway, I'll, I'll, I'll entertain your notion, Carl, in the six lane highway that we do have concepts of blessings or asking for prayers to bless the events, but we do it kind of in a more, I guess, um, behind the scenes type of way. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, you know, individuals that are participating in the ceremony that they might go out before the sun comes up and make a prayer and, you know, whether who they're praying to, that's basically what they're asking for is the blessings. It's not a uh, in front of everybody type thing. No. But when you go out to these university events, these big, um, these big events, that gatherings, big yeah. gatherings yeah. that all of these blessings that they ask people to do, they're all done in front of the big crowds. And so it's, it's to the, it's to the point of almost the introduction to an event. And I've been asked to do blessings for events before. So, you know, I'll get suited up <laughs> put with on, your bolo put, tie, put on my bolo tie, <laughs> Fully embracing my my assimilationness, I'll have a cross in one hand, <laughs> oh, the, a, a bundle of burning sage in the other. <laughs> Your Bible and tied, sage tied, tied to my belt is my uh, homomokpi <laughs> hanging from the side <laughs> to represent my Hopi side. No, but you know when when anybody has ever asked me to do a blessing, that you know I would go out early in the morning and ask for that blessing in our traditional way, yeah, our heritage yeah. way, and then when it would come time for the for the show. Then I'd go out there and, and you know, do 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 the, the quote unquote blessing. But I mean, I've always and, and see, that's kind of, I guess, the the, the oxymoron oxymorons are, are word, of the, word of the day. Well, I guess I mean, not necessarily that, but the contradiction, I guess, is that they do these blessings and an attempt to, I guess, quote unquote, indigenize the event. Yeah. That we're going to ask for these prayers and these blessings in, in a heritage Native American way. But yet the process of how they do it, in my opinion, in J-Man's opinion, is much more aligned with Christianity, much more aligned with um, the white man's concepts of blessing. And then I always used to laugh too, because then sometimes, you know, because being an American Indian studies major, that you had these heavy dialogues of forced assimilation, like we talked about at the very beginning of the episode, that in, included with that dialogue of forced assimilation was the, for, the in, being forced to adopt the colonized religion, whether that's Catholicism or Christianity. And then so because we have this such negative connotation of assimilation that a lot of our indigenous people out there now are very much anti-white. <laughs> even <laughs> even though, you know, we, we do have our foot in the assimilation pull to some extent, but that's a conversation for another you, time. You remember, I... But, I, but, but, but real quick, real quick, uh, and then I'll finish my rant. But the funny thing is that when we would have these blessings at ASU or at other places, that they would choose somebody that was, even though that they were native or indigenous, that they would come from a, a Catholic or Christian background. And then so you would get them up there and then... It was either always dear Jesus Christ or at the end it was in, in, in the Holy Ghost. Amen. <laughs> Which was kind of funny to me. You know, before you rudely interrupted me, I was I, I was going to say that. Um, oh, God, what was I going to say? You rudely interrupted me. It must have not been that it, important. It was important because I, I'm trying to remember it now. And this this music right now is soothing and it's it's putting me to sleep. You know, but anyway, uh, I wanted to say, I wanted to say that I remember I said that there were a lot of these, a lot of the ways that we do a lot of the like, um, like uh, Hopi stuff or like Native American stuff in colleges or in, in bigger, uh -huh. bigger things. Uh -huh. That uh, off off the reservation, off the reservation. That shouldn't not be off the reservation. Just like you know, dressing up for your graduation. Uh, you know, putting the feather in your hair. I, I, in my opinion, that shouldn't be there because it's not, it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a native thing to do. Well, I think it's my turn to disagree with you on that, Carl. Go ahead. Because then technically, isn't all of America Indian country? <laughs> so whether you're doing it 
in Oraivi, Arizona, or whether you're doing something in Tempe, Arizona, that technically that is indigenous land. No, you you have a point there, but the 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 education is not Hopi, or the education is not Native American. So if I were to go to a Native school with all Native teachings and in their Native language, then I would probably wear something into that attire there. But if it's a Bahana school with Bahana teachings, with all sorts of things that influenced by the white man, and then that's the white man's thing. So I, I disagree with that. So I'm going to have to disagree with you that again. You know, <laughs> I, I think that this, the whole concept of education technically is also an indigenous concept as well that we all do have some form of education out there if if it were be, if it were if it was taught in the ed- indian education type of way like in their native language then yeah it would it would probably hold true i just wanted to disagree with you to piss you <laughs> off cuz i could tell you are already little, i'm i'm, little, or, I'm already riled. pissed off <laughs> <laughs> you know the the whole concept is because I don't think that we should be separating ourselves in that in that whole way. There, I think we should just be all all one people. Like, You'd be like unity, <laughs> and that's that's where I kind of do get you know uh, pissed off in a way is that we separate ourselves to the point that we call each other uh, you know non Hopis in a way. Even though we're Hopis, we call that ourselves non Hopis doing non Hopi things. I'm just smiling from ear to ear, thinking all the times that Carl called me a non-Hopi because I'm from Winlapi. We call we we call you guys we call you guys upper and and, uh, upper and lower upper and lower Munlapi. They're all one, pretty much. So, (laughs) and no, and I tried to educate you on how that that concept wasn't true, but yet you know, just like a true uh, nakva that you are. And 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 the reason why I'm saying that is because that it's it does kind of irritate me in a way. Is like you know why do we want to separate ourselves as a unified Hopi structure when we're so different in our ways of teaching? Because our differences are beautiful. Our our differences are what make us unique. But it's not our, it's our, not our supposed to be. Our differences are tied in with our history. Our differences are tied in with how our people journey through the world and then throughout history. But, you know, but, I wouldn't expect a guy like you to uh, think about those types of things. So. <laughs> but I, I real, real quick, real quick, before you, before you completely blow up, um, in regards to, I guess, the changes in Christianity, yeah. like what and how we're influenced now by Christianity, how does that change things? How does that affect our community? Because I guess, you know, one of the points that I did want to bring up was that I've made this point before that between you and I, that we're both very fortunate because then, you know, when I was growing up and when I was getting this quote unquote Hopi education from my parents, from my so'o and gua'a, that I didn't realize that not everybody my age was learning the same thing. Yeah. I grew up thinking this entire time that all the knowledge that I had in my head was common knowledge, that everybody knows this. But yet when social media comes out, and you see the differences in how our people go about things and how they do things. That's when it really blew my mind. Yeah. And I'd be like, how come they're visiting the grave? I thought that they would know better than that. Or how come they're doing certain things that are contradictory to our belief sets? And then, you know, really, you kind of understand that. It's because they didn't know that's why. They didn't know that visiting a grave is bad. Sacrilegious. Or, or what, what bad things could come with it. Or they didn't know the differences and how you go about praying you know that, in our Hopi way you know that, versus that, that, how that, Christians go about praying. You, you know, that, that's actually the first time I've heard that before. I don't think I've ever seen anybody out in this area visit a graveyard. Is it just uh, uh, you got you munka piece over there? I, I, I wanted to make the joke, but I, I, I didn't want to <laughs> offend my, my wife's people. But I was going to say, if you go to the K-Town but you know but anyway um you know before before our time is almost up i believe he has a little bit of a little bit more to go on you didn't answer my question before i really interrupted you okay what was that well what are the effects of these changes well i guess obviously it's that you know it 
I guess in a way, it kind of diverts our people from the Hopi way of doing things to a non-form of Hopis and how they do things. Yeah. Because then, you know, like people like, because you have got children. Yeah. I have kids. Yeah. I have nieces and nephews. Yeah. And educating them to doing things a traditional Hopi way that they're going to be growing up with Hopi peers and they might be doing something differently. But there are some other stuff that I really did want to touch upon before we move. And I did have a story that probably is really only have to do with Munkapis, but it's this idea of being assimilated by other tribes. Okay. Because then like, like, like we were saying, and that's kind of this whole premise is that we're not just assimilated by the dominant culture or influenced by the dominant culture, as you prefer to call it, that we do get uh, ideas outside of Hopi from other tribes. We talked about Pueblos or from each other, Mesa yeah. to Mesa. Um, but I remember this idea of being assimilated by other tribes because growing up in Munkapi, we're completely surrounded by Navajos. And so when we're at the day school that it was just us primarily Hopis at the day school back then, it was probably 95% Hopi students at the day school back then. Something that I clearly remember from my childhood. But then when you graduated from the day school, that you would either move to Tuba City Public or Tuba City Boarding, which was predominantly Navajo students. And so as Hopi kids that were raised and taught that you only have one clan. Yeah. That, you know, and that we've said what clans we are, that I'm Pekeswungwa and you're Iswungwa. And then so as Hopi children growing up having this idea that we have one clan, but then when you migrate over to the Navajo school, the Navajos have four clans that they recognize their mother's clan, their father's clan, and I believe also their mother's mother's clan and their father's mother's clan. I believe are those four clans and Navajo listeners if I'm completely wrong on that please let us know and so when you would transfer over to the to the nap to the quote unquote Navajo schools that they're very much people that like to introduce themselves that that's part of their their belief is that when you meet new people and hope have the same concept oh yeah although our introduction isn't as long as theirs that you introduce yourself to new people. And so it's always uh, a J-Man, which is the very little that I learned. Yeah. And then, you know, you say where you're from and then you say the four clans that you're affiliated with. Yeah. Yeah. And because we heard that so much that Hopis started to say when you asked the Hopi, what's your clan? That they began to start introducing two clans. They would introduce their mother's clan and then their father's clan. And then, you know, you got Hopi saying that, oh, I'm corn clan and I'm snake clan. Yeah. And I remember hearing and I even fell into that practice for a little bit and then hearing my peers fall into that practice as well. And it got to a point where I was in a group with my Hopi friends and I said, hey, you know what? That, that's wrong. We don't have two clans. We only have one clan. Yeah. And that's our mother's clan. People learn about our father's clan when we say our Hopi names. Sita is something that's affiliated with the snake clan. And so people know that my father is snake clan Okay, by me saying my name. And so for somebody like you, it'd be uh, <laughs> and so I guess somehow ears are related to, to Iskim. So. No, I would say like, say, hey, what's up, bro? What's up? <laughs> And, and and so, you know, that's kind of an example of being in, assimilated or influenced by another culture. And that's how we were assimilated and influenced by Navajo. And, you know, there were a couple of other examples that I had. But as we're running out of time, that's the story that I wanted to share. So, you know, assimilation is all around us, not just <laughs> in our faces I, like we think, I, you know, by I, the by the uh, forced assimilation, this idea of colonialism. But. You, you know, I wouldn't say assimilated is all around us. I would say like an influence is all around us because assimilation is is like actually not uh, doing our culture anymore. It's not as not doing anything with our culture anymore. I would say it's influencing our culture. So I would I would kind of say it's an influence rather than assimilation. So are we influencers or assimilationers? We're, we're actually influencers because we, <laughs> we haven't assimilated to like the Bahana culture. We, we, we haven't fully assimilated. We're half like, we're like half assimilated. I would argue that we're probably 70% assimilated. But 
You know, this whole episode, you have you have ticked me off a little bit. Yeah. So, and this whole episode is like uh, it, it pissed me off to the point where I'm going to go and do my own thing. You're going to do your own thing. I'm going to do my own thing. And the reason why is because I had a lot to say during this episode, but you were, you were contradicting me in all these different ways like that. So, uh, you know, I'm going to go ahead and do my own thing and, uh, I'm going to leave you in the background. You're going to go off to record your own podcast. I'm going to go That's off. Probably going to average 50 listeners <laughs> an episode. I'm going to bring, and you know what? There's proof out there <laughs> that they're. <laughs> Is a project that you're tied to that averages 50 listeners. And, and so and those, 50 listen, off, and those 50 listeners are my loyal listeners. If you want to go off and be unsuccessful by yourself, by all means, pal, go ahead and do it. I will. Because I will. when I get I my will. own episode, when J-Man does his own episode, and I'm averaging a thousand listeners per episode, I, I might pretend that <laughs> I used a, to know a you. A thousand because you, you were playing it over and over by yourself. <laughs> I'll pretend that I used to know you when you try to come to my celebration party. You know, you know, this is no, no, no more. No more. No more. No more. I'm walking out the door. Fine. A monkey can press record. I don't need you either, Carl. As Carl walked out the door, please don't forget to subscribe to our social medias at Carl and J Man. We are found all across the boards on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you're listening to this on YouTube, don't forget to uh, hit that subscribe and smash the like button. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please uh, give us that five-star review. And so as Carl goes off to do his own thing, who needs him? A trained monkey can hit record and set up my microphones and all that. Uh, next week, We'll see what Carl has to offer, and he does his own solo episode. And so I guess since he's already out the door, I have to do an impression of him and see how I can do it, asking people for money. And so uh, coffee, I don't remember the site. That's Carl's job. Sponsors, hit us up on Podcast at 85gmail.com. And so for Carl, who's no longer here, and Carl's former best friend, J-Man, so long, quack, quack. <laughs>